0: Chapter 81 of This Country of Ours, Part 7, by H. E. Marshall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 81. Buchanan. The Story of the Mormons. The president whom Douglas defied over the question of Kansas was not Pierce, for in 1857 his term of office came to an end, and James Buchanan was elected as president. Like Pierce, he was a northern man with southern principles, and he threw his lot with the slaveholders. Like Pierce, he was a good lawyer, and in ordinary times might have made a good president and have left an honored name behind him, but he came into power at a most difficult and dangerous time. He was not big enough or strong enough for the task, and so his name is less honored, perhaps, than that of any other president. Besides Kansas, two more states were admitted into the Union during Buchanan's term of office. These were Minnesota, in 1858, and Oregon, in 1859. They both became states while the struggle over Kansas was going on. For in them there was no trouble over the slavery question, and they were both admitted as free states. Minnesota was part of the Louisiana Purchase, together with the last little corner of the Northwest Territory. Oregon was part of the Oregon Country. These with Kansas now made 34 states. So there were now 34 stars in the flag. It was at this time that what is known as the Mormon War took place. Mormonism was a new religion founded by Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was a shiftless, idle, jovial fellow, one of a large family as shiftless and idle as himself. He was very ignorant, but he had a wonderful imagination, and he could never tell the simplest happening of his everyday life without making a great story out of it. When he grew to be a man he began to dream dreams and see visions, and at length he declared that a messenger from heaven had shown him where to find a golden book. No one else saw this golden book, because Smith had been warned by the angel that great punishment would fall upon him if he showed it to anyone. He was, however, allowed to make a translation of what was written in the book. This he did, publishing it as The Book of Mormons, or The Golden Bible. But it seems very likely that part of this so-called translation was really copied from a story written by a man named Spaulding, which had never been published. A great deal of it was, however, copied from the Bible. Smith, who at this time living in the state of New York, now declared that the religion which had been revealed to him was the only true religion. He founded a church, of which he was the head or prophet, and under him were twelve apostles and other dignitaries. A few people soon joined him, and gradually their numbers increased until at last they numbered several thousand. They now became a community by themselves, they moved about from place to place, and at length settled in Illinois, where they built a city called Nauvoo. Smith had many revelations. If he wanted a horse or cart, he had a revelation saying that it was to be given to him. If he wanted his followers to do anything, Again he had a revelation saying it was to be done. So he ruled like an autocrat and did whatever he chose. And while at Nauvoo he had a revelation which said it was quite lawful for men to marry as many wives as they wanted. Soon the people of Illinois began to dislike the Latter-day Saints, as they called themselves, for they stole horses and cattle and all sorts of things belonging to other settlers and once anything was stolen by the Mormons, it was impossible to get it back, for if a stranger went to their city, and showed by his questions that he had come to look for something he had lost, he soon found himself followed by a Mormon who silently whittled a stick with a long sharp knife. Soon the man would be joined by another, also whittling a stick with a long knife. Then another and another would silently join the procession, until the stranger could stand it no longer, and hastily departed homeward. So as time went on the people grew more and more angry with the Mormons, and at length their anger burst into fury, and in 1844 Smith and one of his brothers were lynched by the mob. The Mormons were greatly cast down at the death of their prophet, but they soon found a new leader in Brigham Young, one of the Twelve Apostles. But this change of leader brought no peace between the Mormons and their neighbours. Complaints of theft grew more and more frequent. Both sides went about armed, murders were committed, and the settlers burned many of the Mormon farms. At length the whole of the Mormons were expelled from Illinois, and one March day a great caravan started westward. Slowly, day by day, they moved onward through unknown wildernesses, making a road for themselves, and building bridges as they went, and only after long trials and hardships they reached the great Salt Lake." The land around was treeless and desolate, and the ground so hard that when they tried to plough it, the ploughshare broke. Yet they decided to make their dwelling place amid this desolation, and the building of Salt Lake City was begun. At the beginning, troubles and trials were many, but with hard work and skillful irrigation, the desert disappeared, and fertile fields and fair gardens took its place. The Mormons now laid claim to a great tract of land and called it the State of Deseret, and over this state Brigham Young ruled supreme. In 1850, however, the United States organized it as a territory, and changed the name to Utah. Utah is an Indian word meaning mountain home. Of this territory Brigham Young was governor, but other non-Mormon officials were sent from Washington. Very soon there was trouble between the Mormons and these non-Mormon officials and one after another they returned to Washington, saying that it was useless for them to remain in Utah. For with Brigham Young as governor it was impossible to enforce the laws of the United States, and that their lives even were in danger. But when there was talk of removing Young from the post of governor he was indignant. "'I am and will be governor,' he said, "'and no power can hinder it until the Lord Almighty says, "'Brigham, you need not be governor any longer.' The Mormons were indignant at the false reports, as they considered them, of their doings, which were spread abroad in the East, so they asked the President to send one or two visitors to look about them, and see what they can see, and return, and report. But instead of sending visitors, President Buchanan appointed a new governor, and sent a body of troops to Utah. Thus began what is called the Mormon War, but there was never a battle fought. Although at first the Mormons prepared to resist, they changed their minds, and the government troops marched into Salt Lake City without resistance. They found the city deserted, as nearly all the inhabitants had fled away. They soon returned, however, and peace was restored, but the submission was only one in form, and for many a long day there was trouble between the government and the territory of Utah." Besides the main body of Mormons who founded Salt Lake City, there is another band, followers of Joseph Smith's eldest son, also called Joseph. They broke away from the first Mormons, because they did not think it right to marry more than one wife, nor could they believe in all that the Prophet taught his followers. Their chief city is Lamoni in Iowa, where they live quiet, industrious lives, and are greatly respected by their neighbors. This religion, founded so strangely, has spread very rapidly. In 1830, the Church had only six members. Today, there are more than 300,000 Mormons in the world, most of whom are in the United States. End of chapter 81, read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on Sunday, June 7, 2015, in San Diego, California.